All right, so around 12.55, that's when. Are you guys having a delay with your video at all? Hello, and welcome to Forming, a podcast with the Diocese of Southern Ohio Formation team. Welcome to season two. My name is Christopher Richardson, and I am the Associate for Children, Youth, and Campus Ministry for Southern Ohio. I'm Jason Oden. I'm the Canon for Christian Formation. I'm Emma Helmsteinmetz, and I am the Associate for Christian Formation for the Diocese. All right, and we got some. We also have someone else in the room. Christopher, who's that? Uh, yeah, you'll probably be hearing uh, Drezer, who is a seven-month-old flat coat retriever uh, <laughs> that likes to make himself known. So, Christopher, was this a pandemic adoption? We went through a breeder, actually. Okay. Uh, so we didn't adopt him. We went through a breeder and uh, have all of his papers in order. And we know all of his ancestry and all that good stuff. But, like, I mean, I heard the stories of so many people who, during the pandemic, they either um, acquired a new pet, they took up a new hobby, Acquired a um, new baby. Jane, quite, yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah, so of it, Emma. <laughs> so yeah, Maybe acquired so isn't acquired the right a word. Baby, uh, yeah. And I acquired a, a new dog. Yeah. So we kind of added, we both added to our families in different ways. Indeed. indeed. Yeah. Well, I ended up in the pandemic um, having four or three, three out of my four daughters who, um, become teenagers. So I guess I acquired some teenagers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Look at that. Yeah. It's a whole when will new... the fourth one become a teenager? <laughs> Next year. Okay. Yeah. okay. So it's a whole new adventure time. for me. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are, ourselves are kind of on a new adventure. I mean, we're still the formation team. We're staying together. We're sticking together and we're going to continue to work together and do some, some things, but we've all had a few developments, um, with our titles, with the diocese. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I was blessed to be, um, to be asked to be the candidate for Christian formation. Um, something that's very exciting for me. I've been doing Christian formation for a very long time, starting I mean, going all the way back, I think to 1998, nine, when I graduated from college. And then the next year I was a graduate student teaching history and biblical scholarship to undergrad students as kind of a, as a teaching assistant thing. And then um, finishing that my master's and teaching religion and church history uh, for over a decade and then getting a job at Trinity Episcopal church in Covington and being the director of Christian formation, becoming a priest in the midst of that. And then, uh, and then being, being put on the formation team and now, you know, moving into the canon for Christian formation. So it's a very exciting thing for me. Um, I don't know exactly what it looks like, what it means, but we've got some ideas and we're very excited. And um, I'm excited to be in this role. 
any, do you too want to say something about your new role? Yeah, I um, am just thrilled to be able to continue with formation and kind of keep digging and um, have degrees in religion and in a master's in theology. And so able to like, you know, there's not a ton of ways always, um, or rather there's not a ton of um, hiring places where you get to use degrees. And so um, it's really awesome to be able to do that, but also within our diocese and the bishops that um, I've been able to serve under have really encouraged, um, you know, unique opportunities and projects. And so I think as a formation associate, just getting to um, think really uniquely and find out what it is that parishes are looking for, what resources priests need for parishioners and what it is that parishioners are, um, you know, would find engaging and and ways Mm -hmm. to build and develop some of that. So um, my background is like in and out of different types of nonprofits and things like that. But always coming back to sort of community development and um, and non uh, sort of education in non-traditional ways, um, sort of like formation. So just thrilled to be able to continue on this path. And a lot shifted while I was on maternity leave from June until September. And so to come back and um, be serving under a new bishop and be um, falling into, into line, though, on the same team is really... Um, I feel really fortunate to have, have this team to come back to. Yeah. uh, And the changes for me are, are wonderful in that in many ways, it stays a lot as what we were doing before. Uh, But I get to really focus more on uh, working with youth Um, and Youth work is really what drew me to ordained ministry in the first place. Uh, So I'm always excited for an opportunity to work with youth. Um, And that will probably be part of a future episode of our podcast where I share more about my call story. Uh, But uh, it was really youth ministry and uh, being part of a youth group and then uh, leading youth group that I really kind of understood a call to ordained ministry in the first place. Uh, and so being able to do that at a diocesan level is very exciting. So I'm really excited about what the future holds for all of us and our work together. Yeah. And it's exciting because, you know, that we were working together uh, for a whole year. We, we've gelled, I think as a group, as a team. Um, I think we've, we've implemented some, some ideas and some different uh, formation concepts and techniques. And, um, and I think we're going to continue with many of those uh, and then build upon them. And, and I think our, you know, our, our biggest, I think our, like our core principle or philosophy or, or method, the way that we want to go about doing this work is really not just uh, producing stuff, but also empowering you in the diocese. Um, to do the things that you want to do and to be able to share that with the diocese. Um, we all can learn from each other and we all have something to share and we all have something that I think we're experts in and um, I think we can all benefit from it. And, you know, I know that's one of the things that is going to influence even the way we do this podcast, because not only do we want to empower you either through you know grants from Faith and Life which I want to promote more and get the word out more about that. 
and um, in, in a few months coming up. But also, we want to hear the stories. We want to hear what you're doing out there. We want to, and we want to relay that to what's to the people of our diocese. And so, one of the things that I think we're going to be doing is we're not we're going to sometimes I think we're going to come together and the three of us, like we're doing right now, hold a conversation with a guest that like the way that was the format of our first season. Um, but one thing that we're going to do differently this year is all three of us are going to periodically interview different people from the diocese and maybe outside the diocese too, but we really want to focus on people in the diocese interview them, hear their story, hear what they're doing and see how, you know, what, what they're doing and what they're up to can inspire us and teach us on how to be not only better Christians, better disciples, but also how to minister and meet the needs, the spiritual needs, the material needs uh, of people in a way that fits and works and is relevant in 2021 because we all know that the world is changing dramatically um, we're all having to adapt to new ways of interacting and approaching and ministering and i mean not only with just the pandemic but with technology you know we're all could use like a little bit of insight and inspiration uh, from other people and so from each of you so that is our goal is to to hear your stories to see what you're doing and to then to relay that to everybody else so that we can all learn from each other do you guys have anything think, to add yeah um well I, the word that came to mind as you're speaking was just nimble um i think that us each being able to do different interviews will help us to be nimble so that um you know it's a little bit easier to schedule one-on-one -on -one or or me with a group of people who are doing some of the same work versus all of our schedules that look different. But um, I think we can cover a lot more bases and reach a lot farther in the diocese and in the um, you know ministry world. And also I think that really allows us as um, folks, you know, listeners have ideas, then that's something that one of us can really run with um, versus all three of us having to, not that we aren't on board with the ideas and themes, but that all three of us have to be present for. So I'm just excited to um, sort of move a little bit more nimbly and um, take on more projects because we all can be using our gifts a little bit differently and bringing them together to um, really bring episodes that folks are excited to listen to. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, what we're going to hear in a little bit is a perfect example of the beauty of this approach because a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to record an interview with Eric Peters, uh, who had organized a Trans Faith Matters event. Um, and it was just wonderful getting to know Eric uh, and talk with him about this and hear his story, uh, where essentially it started off with him uh, as an army veteran uh, going to the VA and seeing in the VA a progress pride flag, um, which if you're not familiar with that term, uh, is a pride flag that uh, in addition to the traditional uh, six rainbow colors, 
also has the uh, white, pink, and blue uh, trans pride uh, colors on it, as well as black and brown to show the diversity of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and so at the VA, there is this progress pride flag there. And he was just so stunned that he, when he was in the army, there would never have been anything like this shown anywhere. Uh, and so this progress that's being made and just wanting to, to run with that. Uh, and so, uh, he especially wanted to give a huge thank you to Chalmers P. Wiley, uh, who's the LGBT care uh, coordinator for the Wiley VA clinic, um, who was one of the sponsors of this event, along with the National VA Chaplain Service. Uh, so there were sponsors, there were close to 20 sponsors, if not more than 20 sponsors of this event. Uh, but two of them are associated with the VA, uh, especially the national VA. Uh, so this was a huge deal that was going on. Uh, so I'm excited for you all to hear this interview with Eric. Uh, so with that, I think we'll just let you hear the interview. Hello, this is Christopher Richardson with the Diocesan Formation Team. And I am here with Eric Peters uh, and a few other of his friends who he's invited to talk about an event that he is doing. Uh, so Eric, what is this Trans Faith Matters event that you're hosting? Um, it is uh, an event for people of faith to express support for equality for transgender, non-binary, and gender diverse people. Um, although I'm the primary organizer, it, it wouldn't have started without, without my priest, Reverend Carl Stevens. And uh, it wouldn't have, there are several points where it would have fallen apart without his input. And uh, this is my friend, Dr. Lise Regula, PhD from the University of Dayton. Um, and uh, he has been very generous with his time uh, and, and insights uh, into, and that's helped move. That's he's, his his involvement has been instrumental to the success of the event so far. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, so, what kind of things will happen at this event? Uh, will it be a lecture? Will it be a panel? Uh, what's if someone were going to attend, what should they expect? Um, there will be uh, a presentation by James James Knapp. By James Knapp, by attorney James Knapp. You want to take it from the top? There will be a presentation by attorney James Knapp Esquire from Cleveland, who has been the chair of the of Trans Ohio. Then there will be a. Um, a presentation by um, uh, by Lester Singleton, who has his master's from OSU's uh, Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Department. Uh, he uh, he's a real pioneer. He um, he started the teen and family area of the um, Stonewall Columbus Pride Festival. He has served as he has. 
He has contributed as the um, director of OSU's uh, LGBT student services. Um, student services he is also has experience as OSU's ethnic ethnic student services. Um, now he represents um, Mosaic. There will be a presentation by um, Lester Singleton who has his master's degree from the Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies Department at OSU. He has also been a pioneer um, in the uh, Stonewall Columbus um, Pride Festival uh, team and family area. Um, he has been, a, he's also um, uh, contributed as um, um, the director of the OSU um, LGBT Student Services and the OSU Ethnic Student Services. Now he is with Mosaic, which is a wellness program and community space for transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary people of color ages 13 to 29. So it's kind of a... Um, questions okay um i don't know i i don't know where, where i think we are. You, i think you covered it yeah. okay are there any other speakers there? um and yes 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 and then there will be an interfaith panel um um involving um um a, uh, someone of the jewish faith two people of the christian faith and one person of the Unitarian faith addressing two questions. Um, what have you experienced or observed in terms of organizing organized religion, making life more difficult for transgender, non-binary, gender diverse people? And then the other question is, what have, what have you experienced with um, a religious congregation or a faith community making life better for you? So they'll be talking about that. Um, well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, so my next two questions are really gonna be tied closely together and the answer to one will probably be the answer to the other in many ways. Uh, but the first of those is, what is your connection to this event? Why did you want to what was the impetus for you to start uh, planning this event? Um, there, there's a huge organic piece to it. And another one is, um, Carl, could you give your answer to that question? The impetus to planning the event? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm so impressed with about you, Eric, is that for the last year, starting around this time last year, um, you've been just leading effort after effort and doing outreach, really, from from the from this church, but also including all sorts of denominations and other faiths uh, to the LGBTQ community. 
So it started with a Christmas ad last year, um, which how many churches signed up for that? Um, all total, there were 34 churches who raised over $8,500. Yeah, so for an ad in the Columbus Dispatch. And then we repeated that again come Easter. And then um, you, you held an online event over the summer, uh, which wasn't specifically focused on the trans community, but was instead focused on the LGBTQ community in general. Um, and I know from talking to you that part of, part of what you've articulated about your reasons for this event is your concern particularly over uh, Black trans women and both the prejudice, abuse, and violence that they are victims to on a fairly regular basis. Do you want to add to that? I'm speaking for you. And then we went to lunch, <laughs> and what happened after lunch? You're going to have to remind me. You basically challenged me. Okay. How? <laughs> you challenged me to come up with um, a proposal that our vestry would support with a $1,000 um, contribution. Yeah, thank you. That's an important part. So last year in our budget, St. Stephen set aside $1,000 for new initiatives that any parishioner um, could apply for. And in order to do so, they had to find two other parishioners to help support the project, come up with a budget, come up with a plan. And you did all of that really well. Thank you. So. Thank you. Um, yeah. And another answer to this is um, uh, because it's time. And I'd like to look at that from two perspectives. One is, yeah, we did the Christmas ad advertising and the Easter advertising in all total. There were 34 churches on both, uh, um, all total, there were 34 churches that worked on those two projects and contributed over $8,500. And then I decided, I, I had the question, if I go to the leadership of Central Ohio's LGBTQ community um, organizations um, and ask if there's anyone there in their leadership that would talk about uh, what it's like being a person of faith and how they reconcile that with their LGBTQ identity. And um, I didn't just find people staffers. I found um, an executive director, a director, and two board members, um, plus uh, a seminary grad, an ordained seminary graduate who is actually on the ministerial staff at um, Woodland Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, which I dearly love. Um, and he is now in the PhD program at OSU. So these were really top-notch people. And um, the way the dispatch reported it on the front page of the Metro section is they said um, it was, it, they looked at reconciling um, uh, identity and faith. Uh, and when you challenged me for two reasons, I felt it was time. One was um, all 13 colonies had sodomy laws. In 1962, all 50 states had sodomy laws. By 1986, roughly half the states had gotten rid of them. Either state Supreme Courts had ruled that they violated uh, state constitutions 
or state legislatures hadn't presented them. In 1986, the Supreme Court ruled in Bowers versus Hardwick that sodomy laws are just fine, um, uh, which is, that's where they were back then. Um, and uh, since then, um, in Lawrence and Garner versus Texas, we got rid of sodomy laws. In U.S. v. Windsor, we got rid of the Federal uh, Defense of Marriage Act. In Overfell versus Hodges, um, we got rid of the state, uh, the state constitutional amendments that defined marriage, and said that that uh, violated um, equal protection. And um, I forget the other. Um, and since then, um, um, in Bostock versus Clayton County, Georgia, um, the court redefined the word sex in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 um, as including sexual, sexual orientation and gender identity. So to me, it's like all of my problems as a gay white male um, um, have been have been addressed, or they're 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 on the way. Certainly, on the other hand, there are two huge problems facing the LGBTQ community. One is the um, the homicides homicides against Black trans women, and the other is are is the political attacks against our young people, um, and. Where we are right now, where we are at this event right now, without the first speaker um, saying anything, without anybody showing up to the event on October 24th yet, um, at Tepereth, Israel, on East Broad Street in Columbus. Um, and also, it's a, it's a hybrid event. So um, if they go to, do you know the, the website? For Tepereth, Israel. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Keep talking, Eric. We'll check it for you. Okay. Um, is we have sent two strong messages because so many people, so many different people, this has a wide, um, a wide field of diversity and so much depth and the number of Christian churches. Um, that have said yes, because so many people have said yes in so many ways. We've already sent two messages. One is that um, transgender, non-binary, and gender-diverse people can expect to find um, in numerous faith communities and religious congregations safe spaces, safe and welcoming spaces. The other thing is we have said that there are many, many um, uh, religious uh, congregations and faith communities who support transgender equality for trans, transgender, non-binary, and gender-diverse people. Um, we've already sent that message, and um, on the 24th, this Sunday, we will be examining that in more depth. It is tithrisisrael.com, at least. Tithris, uh, tith they can go, if people, if, if people want to attend virtually, they can go to tithrisisrael.com. T-I-F-E-R-E 
T-H-I-S-R-E-A-L.com. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. T-I-F-E-R-E-T-H-I-S-R-E-A-L dot org. R-E-A-L. Did I get it right on the time? Yep. And, and we'll make sure to put that and include that link uh, it, when we post this podcast. So there's something be- else I have to add, though. Absolutely. Um, we welcome everybody who um, is who has if. How do I see this? Are you trying to get to the COVID? Right, yeah, I'm trying to get to that. So, so Elise, can you help me with that part? Yes. For the in-person event, proof of vaccination status is required. You have to have your vaccination card with you and up to date showing both shots and be out two weeks out from that two week second shot. And okay. everybody who's there on site We'll have to be. We'll have to mask up. That's another part of that. And people who haven't been fully vaccinated, we invite to we like to attend via um, uh, the live streaming feature at tafarathisrael.org's um, website. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so you you kind of touched on all three of. The, the remaining questions I had, but the, I want to go back to the, the fourth one about why is this an interfaith event? Why was it important that this wasn't just a Christian event? Uh, so why did you want to involve other faiths in this? Because not everyone in the LGBTQ community is Christian. Um, I, anticip- I anticipated when I just went to the leadership of Central Ohio's LGBT community organizations and asked for somebody to talk about faith that but just by doing that and not specifying Christian, somebody would step up and would either be Jewish or Buddhist or Unitarian or Wiccan or awesome. um, uh, humanist or what have you. And we wound up with all Christians. And so for this, because I wanted to specifically include um, the work that I had done in the past year, um, I wanted to include um, the people that I hadn't done anything for, people in the LGBTQ community who had not yet Am I on track here? Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. Um, You want to include people who had not yet been at the table. I wanted to do something to contribute to the people in the LGBTQ community who are not Christians, who are either Buddhist, Unitarian, or Jewish, or um, what have you. Um, I felt like it. If I may, it sounds like what you're saying is that this is something that transcends Christianity. 
And this is not about proselytizing. This is not about showing why Christianity is a good religion, but it's about looking at people who we see as children of God and saying, you deserve to be taken care of. You deserve to be affirmed. You deserve to have a safe space, even if that safe space is not in a Christian church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I type in for a moment? Go ahead. So, especially within Ohio, we often hear religion being used against trans people as, you know, abominations of God and going against what God wants and changing God's creation. We also all recognize that having faith in something is an important part of the human experience. Being part of a faith community helps build resilience. And by pointing out that having faith in something, having a religious community is an important aspect of human experience, and it is available to all trans people, that shows support that you know if you're not accepted where you're at, go somewhere else. Here are some options. Here are places where you are accepted and loved. It also helps to counter that political message that we hear time and time again, that bar none, God hates trans people. God hates gay people. All of these things that people use as a bludgeon to get their political agenda across. Yeah. Uh, well, this sounds like a wonderful event. Eric, thank you so much for continuing your work. For over a year now, you've been working on similar things. And I hope I'm able to attend this event. Um, I don't know if I'll be there in person or if I'll have to do uh, virtual, but I hope I'm able to attend in some way. Uh, but thank you for hosting this. Thank you for your passion uh, and your desire to help others, regardless of what faith they profess. I think uh, as Christians, that's one of the truest marks of who we are, is that we do things, even if you're not part of our group, we still want you to be taken care of. We still want you to be safe. We still want you to be affirmed in who you are. Absolutely. Christopher, thanks for um, being able to be present with Eric and Carl and some of the other folks that were uh, a part of that interview. What an awesome organization that um, is really working with such a diverse crowd. I think that the diversity of that group um, just makes it so incredibly valuable in Columbus and throughout our diocese in Ohio. And I hope that they can continue to grow. Um, one of the one of the parts that just stuck out to me towards the end was when um, when someone said being part of a faith community helps build resilience. And I think about, um, you know, there's certainly folks in the LGBTQ plus community um, that have been so harmed, like our interviewees spoke about. Um, but I, I so, so appreciate the, perspective and point of view of that resilience building, because I know in my life that has been something that's been really true for me 
Um, but until I heard it, I hadn't thought about that. Um, but now when I think about some of the instances where my faith community has challenged me and pushed me and encouraged and guided me, um, resilience is just such, such a perfect, um, a perfect word for that. So I'm, I'm excited to learn more about how we can continue to support and, um, partner with and, and show up for that, that community and that organization. Um, I also loved to, they followed that lineup with how faith communities are part of the human existence. Um, you know, and I just think that there's so many things that divide us and that, that we haven't have that are different, but, um, the human existence is just, um, something we're all getting through, right? We're all going through that. Um, so it was really cool to hear from, hear from those folks. And, um, I certainly hope to, to be able to attend the next event or opportunity whenever that may come up. Something that stood out for me, Christopher, is when the part in the interview where Eric couldn't finish what he was trying to say and you politely stepped in and helped, I think, finish maybe what he was thinking, like helped verbalize what he was thinking. And he like immediately said, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. And I think sometimes the importance of community is it helps us find our some, it helps us find our voice, but also sometimes it teaches us the language that sometimes maybe we don't have, but that we're looking for and being with others, just the way that you supported each other and the way you supported Eric through that interview. Um, it was just a thing of beauty. I think the way that the, the way that you and Carl, and I don't know who the other person was in the interview, but just the way that you were supporting each other and helping each other out and and sharing something that was really important to Eric with the help of all all of you in it. So that was really, that stood out to me. Yeah, uh, and that's just such a perfect encapsulation of what community is, is it's something that is there for the express purpose of supporting one another. Um, and And so, being with Eric and doing this interview was at one time amplifying his voice and giving him a chance to share this story of this amazing event that took place. But it was also helping him find the words to express who he is uh, and getting him to a point where he's able to express that. And he has new language that he can use. And I think that's what, especially faith communities, that's what we're really good at is we help give one another the words to use, uh, to give voice to the intangibles of life. Um, and we have this really strong sense that words really do have power. Uh, and so when we give voice to something, we are exerting some form of power over that thing. Um, and so to be able to be with him and to uh, assist him in giving voice and amplify the voice he already has uh, to take control over who he is and uh, to 
hopefully let this be something that goes out to anyone who is struggling with their identity to help give them the words to use uh, and the knowledge that there are communities all over the place, even communities that tend to look like ones that are not safe, that really will support them for who they are, where they are. Uh, and they don't have to change mm -hmm. themselves to become part of these communities. Yeah, very cool. One of the things um, that we can share in the show notes are um, some of the parishes that were involved. Um, we talked about St. Stephen's at OSU um, with Reverend Carl Stevens, as well as, um, you know, I know that both of your parishes as well would certainly be welcoming to folks of all all identities so we can share some of those um in the notes and that way if you are someone who is um searching and um seeking out you know that you have some safe folks to connect with that may be able to help you connect deeper into the community you know this uh it was like last summer or maybe last spring like late spring one of the mega churches here in cincinnati um had a guest speaker mm -hmm. talking about youth and transgender and the dangers of the schools. And, and like, yeah. it was really coming out against um, supporting those, you know, those who, who are experiencing um, or going through transitions and, and, and experiencing, um, well, I don't have the words for it because I'm still learning, but, um, and I can edit that out, <laughs> but, but one of the things that, um, that came out of that was there was a, um, a list that came out for people who were in that mega church who didn't realize that the church really didn't accept them for who they were. Mm. They didn't accept the LGBTQ community for who they were completely as they were. And, um, there was a list that came out of all the churches in Cincinnati that did. And, um, and so, and then we learned at church of the advent that we could be a part of a, of a list of churches that do welcome anyone and um, like a safe church. I don't know if that's the right term because safe church, definitely we associate that with something very different. Um, but one thing that we can do is um, put that into the show notes about, you know, how do you sign up to, uh, you know, cause I think every city has a list like that and then you can put your church on there. One of the things that was mentioned in the interview uh, was for Christmas last year and Easter this year, uh, a number of churches in the Columbus area uh, gathered together to buy an ad in the Columbus Dispatch, uh, specifically to say that we are churches that welcome the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, and if you'd like to worship with us, here are the churches. Here's where you can find us. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be a plan moving forward that we're just going to keep going every year for Christmas and Easter to take out a big ad in the Dispatch to, to do that invitation. You know, maybe that's something that you can do in your community is either, you know, sign up and be on a on a list like that or to put an ad in the paper. And that's what we hope these podcasts will do is to inspire you and give you new ideas 
and um, get your, you know, creative thinking going. Um, and if there's anything that, you know, any ways you want to contribute, you can certainly um, send us an email and we would love to hear what you're doing and, and learn from you and be inspired by you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we hope you join us for season two. And until next time, God bless.